Hello, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. Thank you for your support and for downloading us again. Please do keep the feedback coming, even if it is just rage tweeting and the occasional shout into the void. So this episode uh, looks back at the very first playtest with the team who went through character generation last episode. Mark, Mark, Mike, Matt and Neil. Try saying that quickly. Uh, we don't bring up the fact that Neil played a character called Ainur uh, because I refuse to sink to the level of cheap and tawdry jokes. <clears throat> we uh, played it at Grogmeet on Grogmeet Eve, which was Friday the 12th of November in Manchester, a face-to-face convention with actual people and actual dice, and it was brilliant. If I'm honest, it was so good because we were just in the same room with no one shouting, You're on mute, Dave! Now, whilst we had fun in the session and a great weekend, we did rather redesign as we went along, and uh, quite a few takes, I suspect, we'll have to go into the final edit. So thanks for that, gents. I haven't forgotten my rather rash promise either uh, to run some more playtests online, and once I have a scenario worked out, I'll be looking for volunteers, so please keep them peeled. The second half of this uh, pod is the live recording of the Frankenstein's role-playing game Meets the Grognard Files, which was recorded on the Sunday morning. So big thanks go to uh, the panel, Judge Blythe, Dr Professor Sir Ian Cooper, and I've always liked you, Paul Agrihazard Fricker. And of course, enormous thanks to Dirk the Dice, who not only brought us to uh, one place at Grogmeet, but stitched the whole of this piece of audio together. So thank you very much. Hope you all enjoyed it. Tradition obliges me uh, to give the usual warning to Traveller fans. They really are just jokes. And any outright hostility expressed for other games, I am not in any way responsible for. Except perhaps 13th Age. Now, uh, for those new to us, what's it all about? Well, each episode we get a group of grognards together, look at the very best elements of role-playing games on a given theme or subject, debate a bit, waffle a lot more around the topic, and then vote on which games will contribute to our creation the Frankenstein's monster of a game. Well, that's a normal episode, but this one's a little different. If you want to see what our back catalogue looks like, please do download well, any one of another 12 episodes for how things normally look. The idea is that once we've constructed this devilish entry entity, we play it and see if it all hangs together or indeed falls hopelessly apart at the seams. And spoilers, it may have fallen apart. Anyway, thanks for all the participation via Twitter and I hope you enjoy it as we again embark on this, the most odd of creative exercises. Okay. You said somewhere, Dave, not to turn our mutes on. I think you said not to bother with that. In one yeah. Of the things I heard you talking about. Yeah. Do you know, the, the, the reason being, I know that sometimes if it gets a bit noisy, it can be, be a bit problematic. But the thing is, you lose the spontaneity because you know, if you want to butt in, just butt in. Don't, you know, don't hold back or anything like that. Don't, there's no need to raise a hand. Just, just jump straight in and uh, say something stupid. I don't worry about that, Dave. I was say, except for Neil, obviously, these clear commissions. You're also shy. I'll, I'll, I'll just unplug my microphone and let Neil get on with it. <laughs> I've got just, opinions, and I'm not afraid to let just, other people know them. Just, You've got all the opinions. <laughs> Am, amplify your hatred of people. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Good. So, opinions are good. We need controversy for this. This is, this is uh, 
Dave's USP, isn't it? We do, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of opening up another game shortly, but more later, perhaps. Uh, right, so welcome, uh, Frankenstein's RPG. We're one light at the moment, so uh, Tether Mark... Uh, uh, may well drop in shortly, champions, Mark. But in the interim, if everybody wouldn't mind just uh, introducing yourselves, Mike, can I uh, can I start with you in your Pat Coombs spot on the uh, on the uh, whatever it is Celebrity Squares on it? Yeah, I think after the breakfast at Crockney, uh, I've morphed into Arthur Mullard. So um... <laughs> Arthur, yeah. Uh, I'm Mike, and my Twitter handle is Mike at FilmFan68. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark, Mr. Willoughby, would you mind uh, introducing yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Mark. I'm at Willoughby Wright on Twitter, and I continue to take no responsibility for any of this. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's all your fault. Uh, Matthew, would you mind uh, introducing yourself? Yeah, so I'm Matthew, and on Twitter at Asako underscore so. And I think Dave deleted my introduction last time when I said I wouldn't assume some responsibility for whatever happened. So I will uh, yeah, for, double down on that this time. I did it. I did it for legal reasons. And you also made some comment about liking Traveller. So therefore, yeah, <laughs> deleted. And uh, Neil. Yeah, I was going to say you're saving the best to last. But that's clearly not true. Um, yeah, Mark's I'm... not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm uh, I'm Neil. I'm uh, at Old Scouser RPing on uh twitter um yeah um that's me good thank you very much so we, we've sort of in in very much avengers assembled styly uh we've all got back together having been uh, all together on grog meet eve grog meet eve it is, yes, isn't two, it? two weeks ago wasn't it we were we were two, just about wow. sitting down to play. yeah exactly yeah two two weeks ago it feel it feels like forever now doesn't it Mm. Actually, before we sort of go and, and talk a bit about the Frankenstein RPG, just uh, anybody got any sort of particular memories about uh, uh, about Grogmeat, which was which is a fantastic uh, fantastic day. Everybody's lost in reverie there. Where, shall, I, where yeah. start? <laughs> <laughs> shall I shall I go first? Well, for, for me, I think there was one one big highlight. Obviously, involved somebody around this table as well. Uh, Matthew, when you had we played Bushido. Yeah, on on a Saturday morning, grog meat morning. Obviously, after we'd got up and had our stockings and our satsuma and our bag of nuts, <laughs> and realised that grog Santa had been, uh, we played bushido. And and halfway through the game, I, I thought you had been joking when you said we might have a little bit of you know some sort of Japanese booze, which is why 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 not at ten o'clock in the morning? But but you got these two bottles of the uh, Japanese. Sort of liqueur, weren't they? Not... Yeah, I think one was a plum sake, one was this a mishu, this sort of plum liqueur. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they looked a bit. There was there was sort of there was some fruit, I think, in in the bottles, weren't there? And yes. you, sort of, you sort of looked a bit askance at that, and you sort of thinking, this is not going to be nice. <laughs> oh my god! It's yeah. it's 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 a really seriously a, a good job that we weren't completely and utterly mullered getting up from that table. Yeah, well, in fact, very nice. Possibly Martin Martin Cooks and M Cookie One Two Three and I probably were because we then proceeded to play a, a game of fantasy cricket <laughs> with 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 a dice game that had been given to me by Clown Fist uh, so, so Matt. Was that the morning game then? You were, that, you, yeah. you were drinking 
strong Japanese booze <laughs> at like half ten in the morning. Well, yes. that's the, I thought that's what we were all signed up for now, really. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if you'd have put that on your game, Matt, it was going to involve booze. I'd have been the first to sign up. <laughs> I think we waited so, the first break, didn't we, Dave? I didn't quite put it out on the table at 10, but shortly after. No, no, no. Obviously, we'd started at 8.30 <laughs> in the morning with... Uh, <laughs> we just had some Sapporo, you know, how, how these yeah. things are. The obligatory what? special brew with the cornflakes, <laughs> just getting going. Yeah. <laughs> Norm, normal, normal Saturday morning. So, Matt, Matt, what about you? Was there anything particular sort of stuck in your mind? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're going to come on to it, but I guess... Playing Frankenstein's RPG was a highlight for me in that that first evening. And uh, running Vashidi, I guess, was good for me because I was quite frightened about doing it. And it was an awful rule set. So I think one of the good things about cons, I think, is committing yourself and not backing out. Yeah. So it's good for me developmentally to kind of you know, force my brain through these old rules and, and think about it. So I was pleased I didn't, didn't bottle it in the end. Um, and yeah, I think generally just all the beer and all the chat. I mean, I think the social bit for me is is just as good fun as the the, the gaming bit. So it was a wonderful weekend, and I'm having quite serious withdrawals the last two weeks. So it's good to see you all virtually yeah. again to sort of yeah. reconnect a bit. Yeah, indeed. Mike, anything in particular sort of struck you about the weekend? Yeah, just uh, enjoyed all the games, but in, in particular, Doc Carries Gamma World on a Saturday morning. Okay. Um, yeah, and just catching up with and basically just introducing yourself to people who you know on Twitter and then you point out who they are and just say, no, I've spoken to you and all this sort of stuff. So I'm such and such, yeah. And, and they always turn out to be annoyingly nice as well, don't they? <laughs> you sort of think, oh, man, there's got to be a bit of controversy here and there never is. But uh, Mark, what about you? Anything particularly? Um, I would go for Bud's uh, viral um, Cthulhu oh, scenario, okay. which, yeah, yeah. which I'm not going to say too much about. But um, yeah, I think he's going to publish it. Um, it's very good, okay. and it's so we had a good, we had a kind of good after-game conversation about the structure of the scenario because it's something I'm probably too interested in. Um, mm. But but just how he'd done it, and he 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 put it together really cleverly. Yeah, so I was very impressed with that. Okay, oh, don't don't tell him that his head's big enough as it is. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> Bud and Doc got praise. This is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think I'll edit those bits out. That's okay. <laughs> Neil, what about you? Uh, well, uh, other than other than completely TPKing an entire convention. Yeah, I mean that that was that was a great moment. I think <laughs> <laughs> entirely unexpected. Uh, the perils of a two d six dice system. I'm sure we'll we'll we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, well, I think like like when I think about grog meets in the past, and it's always I think it's like that's Friday evening when you sit down to your Friday evening games, and and you know in the, the afternoon I love the afternoon, but but it's that like you really know you've arrived and 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 it's just fantastic because you've got the whole weekend ahead of you, you 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 know a great evening game. And then the bit in the pub afterwards. I, I was too knackered to really enjoy the pub that much on the Saturday, but I really enjoyed it on the Friday. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the, the other thing I really enjoyed was it, it wasn't strictly grog me, but after on the Sunday afternoon, there was Go Play Manchester, okay. which is organised by uh, News Newport. Hmm. Um, so it was kind of like a, 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 you know, a, a part of grog me to get in the way. And uh, I played in Blythe's 
um, Cthulhu Dark Ages game, and uh, and, and it was a TPK. I, I, we were TPK'd, <laughs> and it was brilliant how it came about. I really enjoyed that. But all the games were fantastic. Good. And uh, Mark, good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you... yeah, I'm really sorry I'm late. Work That's over okay. around and... Uh... That's yes. okay. You, 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 you've had, you presumably had some Japanese liqueur, but and you'll have to listen to the first bit to find out why that's not funny. Uh, <laughs> do, you want, do you want to just introduce yourself and just give a, a particular highlight, if you would, of uh, of grog meat, not of of Frankenstein's RPG, but just grog meat. Oh, really? Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. So, yeah, sorry. I'm Mark. I'm from the GM from the Champions TTRPG. Um, yeah, I had a great time at Grog Meet. Uh, which story do I tell? Uh, <laughs> most of them involve you, Dave. So, oh no. Uh, well, yeah, but Saturday Saturday evening. All the well, the, the whole event. The GMs are great. Everyone, you know, I'm, I'm not a one shot sort of guy, and but I thoroughly enjoyed every game I was in. But Saturday night, yeah, we had quite a long night, didn't we? And, and you have been mm. in, in cry laughing on several occasions, which had to probably be the highlight. So, <laughs> Oh, dear. I do remember sort of being there very, very late at night. Was it me, you, Ian Cooper and uh, Mark? Was it? Clarky was there and also... I was Mark. there, I think, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, the bouncers getting... began showing us out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. He rescued you from the cells later on, Dave. He didn't let you stay there too long. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did the bouncers show you out because it was uh, last orders closing nice. time or because you were like troublesome and rowdy? <laughs> oh, we'd, we'd kicked off big style, yeah. <laughs> uh, Clarky was wailing on a, a couple of uh, you know, spotty teenagers in the corner and yeah. that was it, yeah. Well, there's we, some we... strange conversations about who's the best guitarist and things like this. It all got a bit surreal, I think, towards <laughs> one AM. Maybe well, that's alcohol for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, sober as a judge. Sober as a judge. I yes. tell you what. Waking up the next morning and then having to do the the recording of the podcast. Bloody hell, that was difficult. That was really difficult. And sat next to sat next to uh, Dirk the Dice, who was who was. Similarly handicapped, shall we say? <laughs> we weren't feeling very well. Anyway, I so you both did very well up until yes. the end, of, uh, until the until the red light went off, where you just seemed to <laughs> deflate. Yeah, you kept it together well. Good. Yeah. Uh, it was good fun. It was good fun. The whole weekend was good fun. Anyway, but the purpose of this was really just very briefly, um, just to sort of to sort of give you uh, uh, and give the people at home a bit more of a, a, a sort of feel for how or what we were doing on Friday night, which was the, we were running, uh, or I was running the 13th age scenario, make your own luck, which uh, I've, I've sort of gone on record as saying, I'm not a huge 13th age fan. Um, it tends to be a little bit, uh, sometimes sort of needlessly complex and at other times sort of needlessly loose, but anyway, sorry, go on. I was, was going to say, I had a thought after your massive investment at UK Games Expo. <laughs> Uh, you'd be a huge fan by now. <laughs> mm, yes. I'll be a bigger fan of 13th Age if, if the resale values are really good. <laughs> I did. I, I spent a ludicrous amount of money at, uh, at Games Expo thinking, I really ought to be getting into this 13th Age thing. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Uh, but but the scenario is, and it's written by Gareth Hanrahan, who has agreed to come on Frankenstein's oh, RPG excellent. as well, which is good. Uh, uh, Are you he, aware he's 
he's written uh, Pirates of Drinax as well, I guess, Dave. So you can oh, travel a content in. It's 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 the principal reason why why I'm inviting him on. He, yeah. he, sorry, he, this is now this is going completely off off piece. But the previous games expo I'd been at, he made me buy Knights uh, Knights Black Agents. Mm-hmm. And everything for Knights Black Agents in one game. He's the most. He, he just he started talking at me, and about ten minutes later, I walked away with about two hundred quid's worth of, of Knights Black Agent stuff. So he's got to come. I'm not got to get, get a bit of uh, get a bit of revenge. You, you're gonna you're gonna end the podcast with it. Owner of a secondhand car or something like that, aren't you? You know, if he <laughs> sounds like he's a, a good salesman, he was he's extremely good. He was extremely good, anyway. He so, also wind up sorry, he also no, wind up Tanzan by getting one ring content off him as well, and uh, <laughs> just added bonus points there. <laughs> she's she's still brilliant, I think she's fantastic. She really is, anyway. Uh, so we uh, we were doing the uh, I don't I don't want to ruin scenario if people people do sort of play it again i think it's actually i think it's a really good convention scenario you know the, the premise is quite good where you set up in the in the in the first instance you are you are heroes within the defense of harrowdale uh, you've done all these various bits and pieces to sort of uh, stop the um uh the troll lord uh, from invading marrow breath uh, is uh, his or her name we never quite quite find out whether it's his or her um and, and there are about three or four different set pieces that run through it. But one thing I, I absolutely did find, uh, and I, I think I said it when, when we were sort of in, together at Grogmeet, was I think the escalation dice in 13th Age makes the combat very, very quick. And I think that was the one bit that really meant we couldn't get to the final sort of denouement, which was uh, which would have been this sort of showdown with a, with a sort of a, an invading troll army leader. So, I guess if I can just just come to you very very sort of briefly and, and take a on an individual basis what you thought went well and what you thought would perhaps you know needs a lot more work. I won't say what went not so well. Um, so, uh, Mike, was there anything in particular you thought was was that you enjoyed? Was there elements where you think okay, we need to do something a bit different there? Um, yeah, no, I I thought the combat was 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 good i thought the um like the skill checks and all that i enjoyed that i thought the magic was probably that seemed a bit too easy yeah mm. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're playing to the gallery now aren't you mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't generally play magic users because i there's too much reading involved usually so um <laughs> okay um what, what, yeah, was no, it, what was it you thought was sort of easy was it just that just seemed to be very just rolling you were success seemed to be successful on every on every die roll yeah, yeah. i also enjoyed giving the one of the players the critical hit and critical fumble table to read out yeah um although it could have been a bit of a larger print but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah there we go it's for like teenagers eyes so day three next time yeah, yeah but but the mate is yeah, but it, but it is you know it, it it does bear up though, doesn't it? You know everybody likes yeah. reading a critical critical hit table. Yeah. So so Neil, you, you looked like you were bursting to come in when mm. when Mike said. I don't, I don't know why you would have thought the magic was no, 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 too no. easy, but no, I guess. Um, so a, a, a few observations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and so I was sitting next to Mark when we were playing, and and I go, I'm going to shoot an arrow at it, roll the dice and miss. And then and then Mark would go, 
Well, I'm going to summon down lightning and boiling clouds of thunder. And, and you go, okay, make two rolls, eight or more. And, and then it just happened. I was like, wow, I wish I'd been a magic <laughs> user. It was just like, so I, I kind of mm. got the, the, it was like, you know, yeah, let's kind of go with it. But it just, it was like every every turn, Mark was able to do that, and and Matt as well, and and uh, and I thought, you know, uh, it just needed raining in a bit, yeah. a lot, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then I think I, I also I think I nerfed the criticals as well, which I know Mark Mark W wasn't too happy about. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> you, you see, I'm I'm going to gamble and say there was a divisive element at the table, and. Yeah. Was it kneel shaped? Um, um... <laughs> but but uh, I think uh, far, far from those things. So I think the the other thing that um, uh, it was around. So I think with the two D six system, you've, you've got to like balance it. The fact that it's got to be very finely tuned because mm. there's not a big range of numbers that you're working within. And and I think if you like the, the way the game works, when you've got um, you know depending on your uh, archetype you you've got a, a d6 a d4 and a d3 mm-hmm. and, then, and then that creates you know you double that and that gives you a number of points you can apply to skills and i think if you you know if you had um and i know you can put like a maximum of two in any one to start with but say you had a two in a in strength and a two in athletics yeah uh, that gives you plus four and then your target is eight you know you, yeah. you're gonna beat that like nearly all the time apart from those few crappy roles and i think this yeah. i think that needs tweaking um and i'd also wonder i know you based it on liminal which has a target number of eight like your, your favorite game traveler mm-hmm. but uh i I'd, i consider maybe a target of nine like the uh, superior barbarians of lemuria uh, and then that just uh <laughs> Say, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to bring in Mark Mark W here. He's uh, he's champing at the bit. Uh, well, well, it's just must it always be this difficult? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I seem to remember uh, spending an inordinate amount of time whiffing at some goblins mm-hmm. post the, post the, what we shall call the Neil Nerf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whereas prior to that, I'd rather beasted a troll mm-hmm. and thought, this is great. I love this system. This is fantastic. <laughs> I can finally do heroic things. The mistake I made was visibly having fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah. issue. That's the so issue. The same thing, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the one thing I was just going to comment on, um, in terms of in terms of really enjoyed character creation, really quick, really yeah. easy. I know we took a little yeah. bit of time over it because we were still kind of going backwards and forwards, but having spent a day trying to roll up a Conan character before everybody told me there was a thing online where you could do it in five minutes. Um, we're enjoying it too much, Mark, just hearing how long it was taking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was very easy to roll characters. It's potentially then once everything was up to speed, you could do that at the table without too much drama. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think we also need to recognise that how we approached the game a little bit was every time we were doing something, we were going, well, is that right? Does that feel right? Yeah, so absolutely. we were a little bit 
you, you don't normally do that when you're playing a system. You're kind of learning how the system works rather than wondering if the system's working right. Yeah. So we were a bit, <clears throat> and maybe we were a bit hasty with some um, of our nerfing decisions. Do you know I, I, what, I thought, what I was sort of thinking when, when we were there and, and playing it? Possibly, I think what I would do is I would, I would do it again. And if, if you're all up for it, do it again with the same group. I'm, I'm not really, I don't know whether we'll sort of uh, necessarily do actual play, but just, just, for, just for a bit of fun, if we, can, if we can get together, we'll maybe do another scenario. And I was thinking some, something that, that really, uh, and it maybe, maybe it doesn't necessarily lend itself well to a one shot, which is quite surprising. I don't know. Maybe it just needs to be the scenario that, that changes, but yeah, good points. Uh, Matt, was there something you were... Anything you particularly enjoyed, didn't enjoy? Yeah, I mean, uh, quite, a, quite a few thoughts, I guess. Um, so as Mark really alluded to, the first half was really good fun because I could do all this cool stuff with magic and just show off and have an <laughs> epic time. And that was really and a great experience. I think your initial instincts, Dave, are, you know, well-founded in your magic rules. Yeah. So, so that's good. <laughs> no, but I guess to be serious, I guess I think I think Neil may have a slight point, and I guess some of it is is, is the tone you want to go for because obviously yeah. fantasy is is a is a big big genre, and I think Thirteenth Age does tend towards the kind of epic heroic, you know, spectrum, mm-hmm. end of the spectrum. So um, whereas then I think so I guess that's one thing to think about when you want the magic more sword and sorcery, which I think is how you kind of framed it as being mundane tweaks and what's going on around you and sort of coincidental type magic. Yeah. I guess that's one thing that is a, is, a, is a fair point and whether you want to make that, uh, what do you say, tone in genre in the, in the mechanics. Um, other things I really like, yeah, character generation, as Mark said, really, really swift, really mm-hmm. made some good sense. I like the kind of tweaks we made about the th- sort of thievery skills as, as we went through. And yeah. I think um, the armor worked quite well. Um, drama points was good um, and in some ways again although I you know whinging for, for the sake of the podcast I do like magic to be a bit dangerous so I like the fact that it did begin having a, an effect a negative effect on the PC how do you want to do that with a, comp- a chance of complication or a stress or fatigue as you, as yeah. you took but I do like magic to have a, a cost in some way in my game so yeah. Yeah. again although it is cool doing amazing things it's also nice to have a bit of a, a bite back sometimes from it yeah, one one of the, one of the bits that didn't really take over from the maelstrom uh, system was with with a critical failure. There, there's a chance that you get sucked into the maelstrom and you you, yeah. you never reappear. Um, I think the first time I played Forbidden Lands, one of my my mates who was playing a druid, the first spell he cast, he got a complication of some of the demon who took him away. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> trying to heal somebody and it's game over. <laughs> I was just trying to light a fire. <laughs> we all thought it was just, you know, obviously hilarious. And, yeah, yeah so, yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good thing to do, Dave. <laughs> Mark? Mark Champions, Mark? Yeah, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it, like I think everyone did. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think all the comments about, you know, the, the, what we nerfed was probably a bit too heavy handed, I think. But I think the things that were targeted did need targeting. I yeah. think to be fair to Neil, he was the one who was calling out. I think we were all just playing the game and Neil was doing what we were supposed to be doing, which was thinking about how it was working mechanically. <laughs> and, and going, oh, that's a bit wrong, isn't it? <laughs> no, I think Neil's just an ordinarily like that. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> just hates people. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't hate people, he just hates people having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think 
This is just a flashback to two weeks ago, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no. so Why I did th- you invite me on this, Dave? <laughs> so if you're all being sad playing Traveller, it would have been fine, is what you're saying. Yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do take on board, uh, you know, the, the having a, you know, maybe higher-powered magic. I think for me, then, it's about how do you make the other classes more interesting? Because I'll yeah. be honest, Ranger was boring as hell. It, it, you know, he couldn't do anything other than fire about. Or, or attack someone with a sword. Yeah. And, and, and that, like, um, when we'd made those decisions and we were getting into that fight with the goblins, it was longer. But for me, that was actually more interesting because I was, it felt more balanced at that time. I was able to, you know, kill a few goblins and stuff like that. Whereas previously, yeah. I was just like a, a, a bit of like a, a, a spare part, really. And so I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna keep elements of, of like the high fantasy magic, you yeah. need to think about how do we make, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the the thieves and the um, mm-hmm. and, and the fighters. You know, what thing, can we give them? You know, is obviously Mark and I were sort of having uh, narrating <laughs> magical <laughs> effects, narrating magical effects, and then Dave would give a ruling on it in terms of difficulty level. I guess you could narrate a combat maneuver or something similar like that. Yeah. yeah. And then have a couple of rolls to see if you could implement that. Um, should we had was it law and magic? Mark yeah. and I were rolling. But um, I guess that might be analogous, perhaps. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that we didn't, when we were talking about how you set up the magic users, what we also sort of, if you remember, we began, and we were talking about it in character generation, and we were saying, you know, magic should be open to anybody. Mm-hmm. I think that the difficulty with it is um, that the way we'd, where I'd sort of set it up so that it was a law role and then it was a magic role. If you don't have enough skill points to put into law or magic, it became quite a difficult role. But there would have been nothing to stop you from trying to do some sort of magic. And maybe what we do is we say you know, there is a there is a certain amount of affinity to magic within your your kind of character archetype. So being a ranger, maybe it would be about tracking people, and maybe it would be about you know, but but not just a skill. Then actually making it a magic. Some sort of, I can't think, yeah. maybe fast sight or something like that. You might, well, it's entangle and, and you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that would work. I, I think that, like, I, and I remember when we were looking at the points, and I I didn't have a lot of points in my, is it wits? Yeah. So, so that was like, side, yeah. yeah, I think, so I think that was like, for me, that was one of my lowest things. So, yeah, so I think that's the, that's, that's like if if you are a magic user class, that's your strongest thing that you have the most points in, which which of course yeah. makes sense. Um, so I think it either needs to be magic or or some kind of abilities, as Matt suggested, mm-hmm. um, that might be uh, specific to your to your uh, class. Yeah, okay. guess so, again, there was that interpretation of how difficult the spell role was, mm-hmm. and then again, just to sort of sort of so. If, if we talk about just ma- magic for just a little bit longer, what we said was that magic would actually start to cause you stress. Mm. And therefore, what you'd have to sort of have a balance of is, well, I could try and do this magic, but I may be left with nothing. If anybody attacks me, you know, I may be sort of, you know, knocked out or something. So what we said was on where the difficulty um, difficulty levels for magic are probable, you know, could be termed likely to happen unlikely stretching the bounds of credibility a little bit highly unlikely almost impossible to rationalize wildly improbable cannot be rationally explained and then impossible completely outside the laws of nature 
the stress levels for each of those. So a success level of eight, which is probable, would give you zero stress right the way through to a success roll of 16 being needed would give you four stress. Now, if you only start with nine stress and yeah, in a, I think it was mine. And, and in a single sort of uh, passage of play before you would then get that stress back, you know, you could, if you do too many things, you're going to really, you could possibly lead, lead yourself open to it. We, we also then, of course, we also then said what we were also going to do with, was with characteristics. Instead of having a D6 point for your best characteristic set by archetype, it was going to be three, two, and one, if you remember. So three. So if you were a if you were a a fighter warrior for, for, for as the archetype, you get three physical, two social, one mental. Speaking against that, yeah. So I, I did quite like this idea of universal magic. So everybody could do a little bit of something, and that's. I mean, that's kind of a little bit setting dependent. But yeah, then where you could have a. I mean, I was in the position where my character couldn't, literally couldn't do anything magical because of the build. Yeah. And and so by saying, well, you get one point in your worst, then potentially you're limiting that. You're, you're, you're no, not having that, having that sort of um, yeah. the ability to do that. So with something like with the Ranger, then I don't know. But I, I just think it in, encourages inventive gameplay then mm. so if you're trying to do something that could be passed off as just something that happened in the world a coincidence of something happening that draws out and it's better than just going fireball 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 um yeah which which you know you can write a macro to do that there's no yeah, sorry about that mark <laughs> <laughs> but 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 if it were oh uh you know a branch falls off the tree, knocking the lead goblin down, and they all have to stop. Then, yeah. uh, then that's sort of possibly, yeah. you know, it's, it's good. So you could use that same scale though to to apply it. So I think, if, well, like, if it, rather than, I mean, you could call it magic and yeah. and, and combat effects or whatever, but you could just call it like, uh, you know, effects or heroic effects or or heroic actions like we had, had yeah. in Barbarians and Lamoy. You know, but you you and so everything potentially has a stress cost whatever your class is and it involves two roles and it depends on how 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 you know that uh, those categories um yeah. uh, and and i did mention um that white hat has has a similar thing it does cost um yeah uh hit points but i'll i'll, I'll paste it into our, our twitter but you know if you sort of have a look at uh, yeah later. good okay um but it's 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 the uh, I think if you applied that universally, and then and then the rest is just kind of flavouring, isn't it? Then yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We have a few examples in the in the text, I guess, Dave. And one of the things I did quite like was kind of thematic idea. So Mark could do druidy type stuff. I could do you know fire magic type stuff. I guess for a range, you could say you know multi weapon fighting. Um, I don't know, super accurate arrow shot. If you want to be a tracking maneuver or something like, give a few examples of different difficulty levels or something. Yeah, I, th I think the one thing that we haven't got in there, in, in, in anywhere within the game, is is that sort of compensatory factor. So if it is that the magic is going to be something that that it can be used by certain characters but not by others, is there something you can compensate them with? And maybe it is, you know, uh, one particular trait where you get a bonus for something. I don't know what that would look like, but. 
So you could go down a route of sort of with the magic you've got these sort of you're rolling against two traits. Mm. So you could do something similar for every other class, as it were. Yeah. Or, and, and say, well, okay, you know, if you're if you're the if you're the ranger, you know, you you fire your weapon. But oh, okay, I want to try and do a multi-attack or whatever. It's oh, okay, well, we'll yeah. make it a double roll. So if you get an athletics and something else off, you get two attacks. If you fail the athletics roll, you still just get the single attack, but, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so, yeah. so, sorry, Matt, go on, you say. No, I was going to say, that was, I mean, that's a good way of doing it. I was looking at the character sheet, and you could see how, you know, you could maybe say the rangers was, you know, survival or rangers, it's key skills or athletics, as, as, as Mark said, and you can take a few kind of um, uh, cliche kind of feat type ideas from some of the standard fantasy RPGs as, as examples. Yeah. And as we said, the dual weapon thing, you know, bows, tracking for the ranger, yeah. uh, you know, two-handed cleave for a fighter or something analogous, like inspire the troops or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah. have, you have three or four you know, exemplars for each kind of broad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Funnily enough, actually, King of Dungeons and, and obviously 13th Age by implication does have those elements in it, doesn't it? Where you have a, you have a particular... For your archetype, you have certain characteristics from which you can from which you can choose. Okay, well, maybe that'll be in the. Well, you could leave it open, something. like the magic system is, so that you don't have skills or traits or uh, not skills, yeah. And, and the player just comes up with, well, I think these two things put together would allow me to do this. The GM rules mm. on it, yeah. and much like the magic system, you go, well, that's outrageous. So, okay, you can try it, but it, you're gonna you know, have to be at this target level. Um, and it gives them the interest as well of because the thing I like with the magic system and, and then, you know that, that sort of you could be sort of trying to be really flamboyant to to do what you were doing, yeah. and you know that the yeah the resulting role might be need to be really high, but it's just it's just pretty being imaginative around yeah. you know trying to put something together rather yeah. than just like you know sort of in something like you know the the the, uh, the classic uh, role play game where so, you've yeah. got a list of hundreds of spells but they're very formulaic and they're just what you can do there's no yeah, yeah. but so, so, sorry matthew go i was gonna say so i was thinking the example is more more as kind of guide for a gm actually so these are the kind of difficulty, difficulty factors you might want to go for yeah so a bit like um again because i'm a bit of an ars magica fan you've got the kind of formulaic <laughs> spells they can serve as a guide to spontaneous magic so you kind yeah. of know that creating fire is level 20 and you know shooting fire is that and you know healing is this kind of level so as a, but as you say mark the, the joy of that game is the spontaneous magic and those sort of creativity so sorry yeah. mark i'll, I'll stop there so, <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say that um the, the other idea that occurs that where we were doing things and said this could be explained away as something that would normally happen but then you escalate the difficulty of that if you do it repeatedly mm. Because it becomes less credible if you, oh, oh, that's caught on. I'm not having a go, Matthew. That caught on fire. Oh, and then, oh, look, that's caught <laughs> I know you're a fire mage. I know it's on brand, but. <laughs> I wasn't sure you'd quite realise, Mark, so I better just keep on going to you know, get the message home. It, it, it is then. then it, it, I think that's a, not, a bad, not a bad point. If you do it again. If you do something very similar but, again, but again, it, yeah, just to encourage invention, constant invention. Okay, you can do it, but you're going to so, have to. If you're going to do it for for no stress cost, yeah, you're either going to have to come off with a different way of doing it or a different thing to do. Yeah, quite like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so just for the purposes, uh, uh, escalates difficulty. I think that's a great idea. Uh, and you could, also, you could also balance it on the the impact 
as well. But that would give the GM a hard job because they're the factoring in two things, not only the credibility of it, but also the, you know, it, it's credible that, you know, if you're fighting next to a cliff, that, you know, a rock dislodges, there's, you know, it's, it's unlikely, but it's possible. Now, if that rock hits one person and kills one, or potentially kills one person, and if you weigh that against, well, actually, it falls and flattens all your adversaries in one go. You know, there, there, could, there could be, you know, because in the way it is, you know, why would I not go? Yeah, it hits them all and does damage to them all rather than just one. But yeah. if you say, well, actually, because it's, you know, larger impacting, it's affecting five rather than one, it's going to double the, you know, the... the yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. So so just because, I, you know, I, as I said, and thank you very much for giving up uh, giving up your time again to have a look at it. There were some other things, and I don't want to cut, hold you up for, for too long. There were some other things that we said. So in terms of the, the, at the very start point, we were going to try on, 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 on character, rolling characters by archetype. You've got three points in your prominent characteristic set. You've got two points in the secondary and one point in the least favoured, rather than D6, D4, D3. The idea being it made those roles a little bit more difficult and also meant you had to think a lot more about specializing almost as well mm-hmm. uh we also we were sort of wondering about you know starting stress at around six or seven but but i think uh since it relies on stamina and athletics you've, you've got to be spending lots of points to get lots of stress so i, I don't know that that's, that's too difficult we did talk about criticals only being on a double six being rolled now it does sort of sound a little bit counter, <laughs> just for the for the purposes of the audio. Uh, Mark W is is looking askance <laughs> down d- down downwards at Neil, who is <laughs> in the central box at the moment. Uh, but uh, funnily enough, actually, I think that that probably did work because in the first encounter, which was with these two trolls who should have been extremely difficult to kill. I think pretty much they were one-shotted both both of them. So, uh, and and it was excellent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe I can take it take a a hint from Thirteenth Age and say, you may decide to have criticals on five over the attack roll or a success roll, or you could decide to have double six being your critical. I think I think it's just worth looking at at the numbers behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So so if you're saying. Uh, like that example I gave before, if you if you've got plus four on your roll, uh-huh. and the target number's eight, so you need a thirteen. That means on a nine or more on two d six, you're going to yeah. get a critical, which isn't that uncommon. So that yeah. means you're going to have a lot more criticals, and that, and that comes back at players as well. You know, so that is going to make the game a lot more a lot deadly. And I think we were lucky because we weren't really the victims of any any criticals. No, and I th- and, no. and I, I kind of wonder. If 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 we'd have still had that when we were playing those goblins, fighting those goblins, I think we, there's a chance we could have got absolutely destroyed because crit, criticals yeah. work against frequent mm. criticals work yeah. against you when there's more yeah. opponents than yeah. you, you know. So I think it's definitely it's definitely we, something to think about. We only really got through that first one because it's um, Conan initiative, mm. so we were we were going first and we got big hits in. Yeah. 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 So uh, and that that was actually something that we did did to decide to do. So the the DM or the GM or the keeper whatever we're going to call them uh they get 
one point one drama point per player. Uh, we we rolled for drama points, but actually I think in the initial game was start with five, and I think that's probably a good idea too. And I think you only get them when you roll a, a critical fumble, which was a double one, and then you have the opportunity to get a, a drama point back. Or at the end of a session, we would do it. Obviously, it's taken from Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, the criticals, yeah, the drama points rather. So there's a few few bits in there. Critical fumble on a spell roll. Uh, this, I think this may have been one that you suggested, Neil. I can't think why. But a critical fumble on a spell roll, you weren't allowed to spend drama points <laughs> to get out of it. Uh, there we are. Uh, the, the other things that we did... We, go on. I was going to... Well, there, there is a thing in... Um, I don't know quite if it works. So in Barbarians of Lamaria, there's this idea of a... Um, if you roll a double one, and what's it called? Uh, critical. So, uh, so you can decide whether or not you want to take a consequence. Yeah. So you, so you could still. That's you, it. You, you, if you take a consequence, you get a hero point back, but something bad happens. So, it, so it may be that okay, your spell doesn't work, um, and you, you know you can, you, you could have something bad happen to you. Mm -hmm. like like spell backfires in some way but you get a drama point uh and yeah. you know just before. yeah okay so you accept the consequence but you, you would then gain it the other two things that we talked about was um having two actions per round mm. which again seems a sort of a um where where previous it was a bit more sort of loosey goosey I think than that you know you could you could dodge someone, and then you could do something else and you could you know you mm -hmm. I I think actually that's probably a good thing. so you have two actions per round interestingly, we we play um we play golden heroes, uh, on a Monday evening at the moment and one bit I do really enjoy about it although there's lots of tracking to be done, is that heroes get four frames. Mm. and mooks or minions only get two but then the initiative role you split and this is where it becomes stupidly complicated but you know, depending on what your initiative role is you get more frames than the opponents or, or whatever but obviously we have conan initiative uh so i think i think that two actions per round is probably no bad thing and maybe what you do is you take if you win the initiative you go first with one action maybe then the opponents go next with an action. Then you have a supplementary action, which might be parrying or dodging or whatever. And then there's a final action for the other side. But I have to think about that a little bit more. But we did talk about, because there was a lot of, well, I'll parry him as well then. I'll do dodge him too. Yeah. So, so one thing I, just, I think I mentioned it on the day, Dave, so I've not run so much Conan, but I've run quite a bit of Star Trek Adventures and there the initiative is players go first in the sense one player goes first and then it's in, interleaved with the NPCs and you spend momentum to keep initiative or the GM spends threat to take it back. Yeah. So again, whether to increase the sort of danger level, that might be a sort of 2D20 um, model you may, may want to think about. Yeah, the issue that we have with Conan was it's intimately tied in with, you know, fate points and everything else, isn't it? So, yeah. which we don't have because we've got the drama points from from Buffy. So maybe we might want to think about how that works, initiative and so on. But uh, yeah, good point. All of these things, obviously, we haven't uh, <laughs> we haven't uh, we haven't voted on. Mm. So I'm not sure whether we're allowed to put them in. Uh, but but there were some other bits that came out. I, I think you know. 
it was it was i mean apart from anything else it was just really good fun to play again i think wasn't it yeah, yes definitely. Oh, yes yes yeah. yes very good just nice to do it all face to face okay were, were there any other bits that we haven't covered that you think oh we should have done next we didn't do any sort of social interactions by the way which would have been which which would have been an area where perhaps we would all have been more on a level oh, playing field did, did, did we not try and intimidate the uh the people when we got to the house because when they weren't going to let us in i thought we did a little bit of that you mm. that's very true you did and then you just ignored them anyway and ran past <laughs> <laughs> because there were two of them and we were heavily armed and they were <laughs> and, they, and they were old peasants <laughs> and old <laughs> and, and the side peasants yeah. <laughs> yeah. which was fun <laughs> which is good i think there was a balancing act as well between whether we were going to finish the scenario or kill the ranger <laughs> <Not quite. laughs> yeah, wrong choice maybe <laughs> the the, the <laughs> The only other thing that we did have was we did have a turn order, didn't we? Because we were trying again to think how how could you kill off or or, or stop a magic user from getting a spell off? And Neil, you were particularly keen on on, on that element. <laughs> I think we decided the turn order was going to be that you would declare what you were going to do, and then it was move, combat, magic would be the. The sort of the the turn order is that right? Yes, mm. which made a lot of sense when we were at the table. But what I would like to do, if, if you don't mind, what I'd really like to do is is try again, mm. not that scenario, obviously, because you'll know now. <laughs> Ignore the trolls, chase the um, goblins. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be. I'll, I'll find. I'll, I'll find another. So, funnily enough, actually, I, 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 the other thing I did do at Grogmeat was I bought. Um, uh, I bought from Colin uh, and Sam um, some D and D modules, mm. and funnily enough, actually, I think that they I think they work slightly better in terms of being able to read across. So if, if you're up for it, we'll maybe yeah. maybe schedule yeah, a couple. Yeah. 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 I've, I've got no idea when the hell we're going to do this, but you know, Sundays at midnight, perhaps we'll, we'll <laughs> do something. But yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, Evening-wise, I'm usually pretty flexible. So, okay. Well, the, the issue that we've got, obviously, is that uh, I think Neil, you're, you're you're gaming every single night of the week, almost, aren't you? Uh, pretty much, and uh, part of Saturday. <laughs> yes. Well, we we'll have you know, to a bit of family time, you know. <laughs> but that's only Saturday morning, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Darling, I've got I've got an old school essential game at three o'clock. <laughs> Come on, let's no. fit in some conversation now. <laughs> Good. Uh, thank you ever so much for doing it, and and, and mm. I, I absolutely loved Grogme, and it was a real, real highlight mm. for me to get to get this to the table and yeah. and at least sort of uh, have a go at playing and, around and with well, it. And well done on getting it to the table. Yeah. I think yes, I indeed. Yeah. Really, a really good job. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's a yeah, very challenge. Yeah, it's good fun. Good fun. I can't wait. Well, and, and obviously next next year will be. Uh, I'm I'm going to start series two, mm. science fiction. In the new year, but I'm going to try in, in December. Uh, I think possibly I'll do it on uh, on Boxing Day. I'll uh, <laughs> shut myself away. Uh, it happens to be my mother-in-law's birthday, actually. So, incidentally, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, mother-in-law, I'm busy. I've got. I've just got to do this thing for uh, for the podcast. She'll be she'll be very happy with that. <laughs> anyway, thanks again, everybody. I really do appreciate it, and, uh, and uh, you go down in history as the first, the first players of FRPG. 
Nursing your hangovers, exactly like me. Um, so uh, the the uh, episode thirteen, maybe twelve A, I think we'll call this one, uh, is uh, all about supplement. And in a slight change of format, we're going to ask you, the audience, to uh, to nominate which of the supplements goes into the Frankenstein's RPG game, which is uh, the audience participation piece of uh, of, the, of the pod. So I'm joined today by a, a quite extraordinary panel, really. Um, we have uh, representatives from all, all echelons of royalty within the, uh, uh, the role-playing community. So uh, if I can start on my, uh, on my left, if you could just introduce yourself, uh, Ian. Have the talking stick. Hey, I'm Ian Cooper, and I'm the line editor for Quest Worlds, formerly known as Hero Quest, formerly known as Hero Wars, at um, uh, Chaos uh, and uh, I hope to be more successful than uh, on my last appearance on Frankenstein's RPG and get less hate mail. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul Fricker um, from the Good Friends of Jackson Elias podcast and uh, writing for Call of Cthulhu. Uh, and uh, I don't know what else to say. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. I know, it's a, a great opening speech. I spent quite a while preparing that. <laughs> Hello, I am Blythe. I am not a line editor and I'm not writing for Call of Cthulhu. I am Dirk's sidekick on the Grognor Files. I'm <laughs> Robin to his Batman. Hi, I'm Dirk the Dice and I'm the host of the Grognor Files podcast. Great to be here. I have a winning streak of two uh, items in uh, the Frankenstein's RPG, so I'm hoping to add three to the trophy. Depending on the uh, audience to help me. That's called lobbying. <laughs> Shameless. Shameless. Go to his head. Okay, so, so uh, the, the topic in question, as I said, is, uh, is all about supplements. And I, I, I do remember, actually, it was Paul, you gave me the advice when we were talking about the Frankenstein's problem. <laughs> if you want to make any money, it's in the supplements. So we're going to be I'm making money. I'm very good at money. advising other people on making money. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't made any money yet, but uh, we'll work our way up to it. So, uh, in terms of uh, supplement, it's, uh, it's obviously a very, very important part of expanding the world or the rule set or you know, uh, expanding the universe within the various games that we play. So, uh, if I can sort of start, maybe, um, who, should, who should we go first with? Uh, yeah, okay. So, uh, Ian, would you mind telling us what your supplement is? Uh, and why you think it should be uh, inducted into the Frankenstein's role-playing game. Uh, absolutely. I've just realised, actually, um, uh, for Dirk and Blythe, Blythe is, is Dirk's sidekick. I, we could stack them up in, in Quest Worlds. We do have rules for sidekicks. Uh, and then <laughs> we just need a, a distinguishing adjective and an occupation for each of them. Uh, and it would go down pretty well. So I, I invite uh, the audience on Twitter to take um, stabs at stacking up 
uh, Dirk and Blythe in Questworld. Welcome, welcome to Frankenstein's RPG, officially sponsored by Questworld. <laughs> Keep your distinguishing adjectives to yourself. <laughs> Don't tell me what you can do. Um, all right, so to go back to the supplements. So what, what I wanted to think about, um, particularly I think it may help with some of the, the struggles and challenges Frankenstein's RPG has with the idea of a, a starter set. And, and for me, I think the idea of a starter set really goes back to uh, Holmes-based ba- Holmes D&D. And if you think about it, you know, D&D it, it was out for a while, but people were playing it from a mix of various books that, you know, TSR was putting out, articles in various magazines, and it was quite hard for anyone to really enter into playing D&D. It was badly explained, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a mass of various competing rules people had acquired and uh, homebrew descriptions. A bit like probably some sort of Frankenstein kind of RPG. Mm. And uh, there's a theme what, here. What yeah. Holmes did was effectively say, well, I can take all that and I can produce a, a simplified game that people could actually play. Um, and I can put an adventure in the box so that, you know, be ones into the unknown so that people can figure out how I play this game. Uh, and I think starter sets are, you know, incredibly valuable for a lot of games nowadays, giving you this way of saying, okay, I want to get into this game. I, I know people like this game. But how do I get started? Can you give me everything in a box I need just to get started and start playing the game? Uh, and we do have, you know, modern equivalents. So Call of Cthulhu has a great starter set with a, you know, a solo adventure. So you can create your character, you can play the game yourself before you think about running it for other people. Um, uh, simplified rules and a, you know, a, a, a starter adventure to use. Right? And given we are thinking of Frankenstein's RPG, I, I believe, in a kind of beyond the wall style setting, it might be quite nice. You could have a little, uh, have one, one simplified rule set, a little solo adventure to run to get used to it, where you leave your village and discover something. Maybe a little uh, sample village book where you'd have some, you know, uh, quirky NPCs the players to interact with, and perhaps a little first adventure leaving your village um, uh, in search of adventure. And I, I feel that perhaps. Starter set could solve many of the Frankenstein's RPG problems um, and, and bring people in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to put starter sets in overall. I, I thought for a while about if I was going to pick one, should I, should I say, you know, I, I should probably pick um, Call of Cthulhu one. We haven't, we haven't, I'm thinking of having one, but yeah, not yet. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu or, you know, the new RuneQuest one, which uh, any of us have actually seen a physical copy of in the UK yet. Um, but I thought, you know, actually, maybe we should go back to uh, basic D&D as being the, the actual kind of real first supplement, this, this, uh, this principle of a box, simplified version of the rules, an adventure, a solo adventure, um, uh, and some handy kind of like tools for playing the game. That seems to me to be the way to take Frankenstein's RPG forward. Yeah, good. And, and I, think, um, I think that... You're absolutely right in, in terms of being an introduction to games. And the other thing is, actually, that sometimes they can simply be the game themselves, can't they? You know, you don't need to have any more stuff. There's the Alien RPG starter set, science fiction coming in Series 2, uh, is, uh, is, is absolutely, it's almost a must-have. Plus, you get lots of funky dice in it. So, starter sets, right. Okay, like that. Thank you very much. Paul, working right. our way back along the line. Come on. What have you got? Well, um... I sat too thinking about, you know, a supplement that isn't a scenario, because you've already done scenarios, mm-hmm. and it can't be a setting, because we've already done settings, and uh, I thought, well, what, what supplements 
do I sort of know and love from uh, from back in the day? And the one I've picked is is uh, well, it it wasn't really a supplement because it was the first book that came out for that game, or at least for that version of the game. But it is, and I've got it. I've got it in my bag. Oh, you're ready. You'll all, you'll all know it. I mean, now I've got my hands full now. Yeah, keep going. Is it is it here, request? So this, this is a soft cover. It flexes. Soft cover. AD and D Monster Manual. And this is the first role role playing game book that I bought. And of course, you know, playing D and D. What do you want? Or a fantasy game, what do you want? You've got the, well, you haven't got the rules yet because it hasn't come out yet. This came out in 77 and the player's handbook like the year after and so on. But you want a bunch of monsters because what's a fantasy game without monsters? But then you get this. Traveller. <laughs> That's next, I thought of next season. <laughs> you have to, you know. But then you get this and you go, number appearing. Well, you know, what, what do I do with that? Mermen, 20 to 200 of them. <laughs> I'll do a military encounter. I've got three first level characters. As, as a player, but you know, in role playing game books, there were lots of uh, charts and diagrams, and sometimes I didn't understand what they meant at all. But they were almost like illustrations, you know, like artwork that just sort of added to the, the mystique, almost. Especially when you look at some of those. Um, Diagrams in Space Master, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which you needed, like, I don't know, some kind of PhD in astronomy to, to understand. But I, I kind of like the fact they're there. So if I were to publish a, a fantasy game, Dave, mm-hmm. I think I'd put some like diagrams and charts in with like numbers and stuff that meant nothing at all <laughs> to anyone, but they'd look good. And it, you'd give it a sense of like mystique and yeah. gravitas because I'd look at that and think, this is well, traveler you're talking about. Just, just, just make a roll. That's, that's what you'd say, really. Okay. Look at the chart. But looking at this, this book, you know, and, and leafing through it again, the thing that hit me is almost every monster, maybe not everyone, but almost everyone, I'm looking at the crayfish here, actually, there's no illustration of the crayfish, but almost everyone has got an illustration. They're, they're quite varied in their quality. Uh, some, I would say, are, are rendered really well. Some more to a more kind of, I wouldn't say bad, I'd say a slightly sort of cruder, more naive sort of style, like the brownie here I'm looking at. You know, it's the kind of thing, but the appeal of that, I think, is that when I got the book as a, as a teenager, I'd look at those and think, it's a black and white illustration. I did a bit of art. I, I could actually copy that. I could do those. And that sort of, it made it feel, I think, perhaps more accessible. I'm probably overthinking it, but... It, it just sort of, you know, that that's that that kind of do-it-yourself sort of ethos. Um, so I think that probably, you know, then led into the fanzines and so on. Um, so uh, yeah, so um, AD and D, Monster Manual, classic cover. I commend it to the house. Mm. Mm. And so nice that you've uh, you've bound it so. Yes, lovingly bound in some brown tape, cellar tape. And you are, you are sure it's the monster manual because you talked about crayfish, crayfish and brownies. <laughs> oh, it could it's be a cookery, cookery book. Oh, shit, yeah. Gary Guy gets his 
Cook with Gary. <laughs> I think it's a good point you made, uh, Paul, about the art, because uh, while the art in uh, the new Monster Manual is probably more dramatic and uh, more professional, it lacks character, doesn't it? It's like everything's gone through an equaliser, uh, that everything looks the same, whereas that Monster Manual, the appeal of it is that it's, like you say, it's like got a DIY quality to it. Yeah, yeah. Makes it a very strong contender for this game, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. DIY. Anyway, uh, over to the judge now. So, so judge. Okay. So, Monster Manual, superb, superb choice. But uh, Blythe is now going to blow you out of the water. I think. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. So I, I started to think about this, and they like you say you've, you've done settings, um, uh, you've done scenarios, um, and I started to think about supplements, and, and it seems to me that lots and lots of supplements are produced for games but everything's for games masters the players get a bit forgotten about when it comes to supplements so my choice is all about the players and my choice is cults of prax yes. cults Ooh. of prax you're playing to the audience now aren't you? <laughs> yeah. tactical and because back in the day because of the prime directive obviously Dirk had RuneQuest and I couldn't buy RuneQuest, I couldn't run RuneQuest because that's what the Prime Directive said. What I could buy and what I could read was Cults of Prax because Cults of Prax is the RuneQuest supplement that gives you the kind of Cults of Galantha and it gives you what, essentially it's what you do in the game as a player. That's really what Cults of Prax is all about. It gives you as a player a bit of focus so you can choose a, a cult, you know, if you want to be a a berserker and a fighty type character you can go for Stormble you know if you want to be uh, kind of uh, more more kind of think of a Lankar Mai if you want to be more of a sage or more of a knowledge seeker that kind of thing you've got Shalana Roy which is the, the healing um, cult so it gives you a real focus and I think sometimes games do lack that you know I've, I've got games that there's endless supplements for the games master or endless scenarios and campaigns for games matters. But as a player, you're left sort of out in the cold a little bit. And ultimately, you need the players. It's all right as a games master having endless settings and endless supplements, but you've got to engage the players. And I'm thinking, Frankenstein's RPG, it needs players. So what you need is a supplement that gives players that little bit more for their characters to do. It gives them a focus in the game. It gives them all those kind of things. And Colour Prax is one of the earliest examples of that and one of the best examples of that. And it's still one of the best examples of that, I think. I know that AD&D used to have the Player's Handbook, but that's really a core rule book as far as I'm concerned. This isn't core rules. This is a supplement. Um, but at the same time, it's a supplement that without this, RuneQuest would not have been the game it was. You know, And it's full of like fantastic... Fantastic details uh, about you know the different spells for the gods, you know, and I suppose some people say, and there's a bit of truth in this. It's a bit like character classes for RuneQuest. So RuneQuest always said there were no character classes, but this gives you, I don't think they're character classes, but it gives you a subtle kind of guide to the type of character you're playing in the world, and what their motivations would be, what they're about, what they're going to think about the world and what they want to do in the world. And I, I do think that's a really important aspect 
of a role-playing game that gives players something, which a lot of games just not that they don't do it, but they don't do it. They don't do it enough, for, to my mind. Okay. So my my choice is, is culture practice, something for the players. That's what you need. Mm. And also, you know, remember, there's more players probably than games masters. <laughs> so financially, it makes sense. It does. <laughs> Buy this if you're a player. You know. But, but, but it's not me. You need to convince them. It's no, it's not. Although, uh, looking around the room, uh, I have a feeling I know who's going to win already. Yeah. <laughs> Full of Goranta files. That's what. <laughs> it's good. Well, one, one of the things, obviously, actually, it, it would it would be extremely helpful. And I don't want to big up your choice, you know, because this is a competitive environment. But one one of the things we have got is we've got these archetypes, which can tend to be quite broad. You know, it's a spellcaster, it's a scoundrelly type person, and it's a warrior type person. So something that can give you sort of a, almost like a, a, a handy hints of this is the kind of thing you could do. Yeah. Is that the sort of thing Culture Practice could deliver, do you think? I think it could, yeah, something like that. I mean, a good, another good example, a game that does it really well, is Warhammer does that, where mm. it gives you quite defined careers and quite a lot of them, yeah. which is interesting to pick from. But, of course, that's, that's part of the core game. Not, not a supplement, whereas no. this is a, is a supplement. And interestingly, Warhammer didn't make it in at all. In fact, I don't think RuneQuest has made it in at all to, to the game. Well, we can change that today. Yeah. <laughs> we can change that, everyone. <laughs> this, is, this is like a hustings now, isn't it? I have a dream, come on. <laughs> Sell it to them properly. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, Ian, we met in here about three years ago and you were interviewed here. And this was your routine, wasn't it, Cult of Prax, into uh, Guantha? Yeah, so... Um, I, uh, I, I think I'd had some teeth out, and is this going to be a long story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I was going to have a few days recovering, and I think my parents had given me some money to go and buy some, you know, a game book to read, virtually etc., while I was going to be at home recovering. And uh, I went out to the game shop, and there was this book, Culture Practice. At the time, I'd never heard of RuneQuest, and uh, well, I think I'd seen it occasionally in White Dwarf. Picked it up, but mainly thinking this will be useful for my D and D game. I'll get some, you know, ideas I can steal out of it for D and D. Read this thing, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" Particularly with the narratives they have of the travels of Bichara and Barosh around the world. And I was like enchanted by this world. And so I thought, "I better go and buy the rulebook now." Uh, and that really was how I, I got into Grantford. It was Copter Prax that sold it on much more than. Um, the mechanics of RuneQuest was it, was it was the world that I really I fell in love with. Good, thank you for that. So cults of prax, right? So supplements. Over to you. What's your what's your nomination? Well, as you know, I'm pitching a concept for this uh, RPG, Frankenstein's RPG, Golem. The idea that uh, the player characters uh, are seeking out around the world different items to construct mm-hmm. uh, golems to protect themselves, protect uh, uh, cities and, uh, and villages. And, you know, is it, uh, I love uh, bestiaries. I love bestiaries. They're the, uh, you know, the, I, I could collect them. And the monster manual is a fine example. But sometimes you don't need more monsters. You just need to have a better understanding of the monsters you've got. <laughs> so I'm putting yeah. forward the best ever supplement ever created. The troll pack. Quiet in the cheap sheets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Tall pipe was a, a Christmas gift that uh, I got, and I must admit that it was wasted on me as a 13-year-old because it is such a, a rich and fantastic uh, book. And I think if anybody has any doubts about Glorantha, uh, I think this is a, a routine because you read it now and you realise what a wonderful thing it is because. Not only has it got details about the ecology of uh, trolls, it sets them up as a culture, as a relativism. They're not evil, they're just existing in the world and they've got uh, an important role in the world. Um, and it also has the weirdness. So they um, use giant insects to, uh, to, to go about their daily life and they use them as part of the uh, daily activity. There's a hierarchy within the uh, culture and uh, there are competing um, elements and factions and different cults. But what I really love about it is its sense of humour. And that's what people sometimes forget, I think, with uh, Goantha, that it is really funny. You've got troll ball, so you can uh, chuck a troll king around a field for fun. Um, and some of the names in here are hilarious. Uh, I've got one of the uh, god here, uh, the god of uh, music, which I always make me laugh. Uh, the great drummer, hum, ba, ba, bum, bum, bum. And I believe that it was called Troll Pike because uh, it was uh, Lynn Willis, I think, who suggested it. Like a six pack, it's something that you could pick up and have fun with. Uh, so that's why it gets its name. So, audience, I put to you the greatest supplement ever written for any game anywhere, Troll Pack, and commend it for uh, Frankenstein's RPG because you'll need to know about golems and you need to understand how they exist in the world and what you can do with them and have plenty of stats for golems. That's what you'll need. So, can I? Can I? Dirk, I, I, I hear what you're saying about the golems. H how many types of golem is there in the in your book? In my book, yeah. You'll need loads of golems, won't you? Well, you'll need a bit of in, flesh. In, in the AD&D <laughs> monster manual, we got the clay golem, flesh, iron, stone. There's quite a quite a variety of golems. So if you're looking for golems, well, I, I, you know, I think this might be actually what you're talking about. Because I think your idea of you know this this whole theme for for Frankenstein's RPG is is a very sound one, and I'd like to support that well, with, <laughs> with, with the monster manual. But well, does it explain how the uh, digestive system of a golem might yeah. work? I, I think you can just uh, that, that's taken off. <laughs> That's taken away GM creativity. <laughs> I'd say that's 15 all. <laughs> New balls, please. Uh, right, well, you, you've all made uh, fantastic uh, um, suggestions, um, and thank you all for participating, but there'll be nothing to do with RuneQuest or Dungeons & Dragons getting into this game. Uh, what I would like to do, what I would really like to do, is to commend everybody to... Uh, uh, to, and this is more of a, a philosophy rather than a specific, but I'm, I'm using the Conan uh, rule set. And what I'm, uh, I'm arguing we ought to have within Frankenstein's RPG is the GM screen, everybody. The GM screen. 
mainly to hold back those hordes of players who are trying to read their way through cults of cracks and bloody golem pack or whatever it is. <laughs> you need something to keep them at a distance. So I'm, I'm saying uh, Conan 2D20, the GM screen, but I'm taking it one stage further, though. And what I'm doing is something that uh, Modifius have done possibly by default. And what they produce with their, within their GM screens, so there's one for Dune, I think, there's one for, uh, certainly there is for Conan, since I've got it in my hand. Um, it's, it's the, the Game uh, Master's Toolkit. Now, ironically, for, uh, for Modifius anyway, what they've done with their GM screen and their Game Master's Toolkit is actually give you what the game should be. Because in their rule book, which is about 300 pages long, it's completely and utterly impenetrable. <laughs> and you sit there and you read it from cover to cover and you go, I have absolutely no idea how this game works. And then you go, oh, but you know, it looks pretty, so I'll go and buy some, an, another supplement for it. And you buy the GM screen. And you open the GM screen, and actually, there is the game. That is Conan 2D20 on four stiffened leaves. Uh, they should just have produced four pieces of paper <laughs> in a very, very attractive pack, um, and, uh, and, and that would have been Conan 2D20. But the other things that they've got within this sort of Game Master's toolkit, though, is a fantastic little resource, I thought, which is a random adventure scenario generator. So with the, the adventure generator, you literally start on page one, and you go through about five or six pages, randomly rolling. Who doesn't, who doesn't like a dice roll? Uh, and you, at the end of that process, you come out with a scenario. And those two elements, I think, mean that's, I think, where Frankenstein's RPG really should be concentrating, on something that explains the, the game to everybody, very, very simplistic. I'm trying to get it down to four pages, but unfortunately there's about eight pages of hit tables, so, uh, so it's unlikely to happen. So, uh, gentlemen, ladies, I, I commend to you Conan, or, or the Games Master's screen, with Games Master's toolkit. Thank you very much. Has there ever been a game that has been produced that has been entirely against Master Screen, so everything's only against Master Screen? Could that be a format they could follow? We could be the first. We could be the first. I think the only unfortunate thing is once you've done that, you can't then do other you know, soft-covered rule books or, or yeah. something like that. So it, it might be a bit limiting. Just have a series of Games Master Screens, perhaps. I don't know what, how that would work. But, so. I, I don't use a screen. No, but I, you, you like a screen. I like it? a Games Master Screen. Yeah. People say it's puts a psychological barrier between you and the players, but I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel comforted by it. <laughs> it's your safe place. That's exactly. it. We'll call it the safe yeah. place screen. Yeah. Always buy the Games Master screen. Good. Always. The, okay. the Games Master screen, I find, is it, it opens that, that difficult question, though, which is about should the GM roll in secret or roll in yeah. the open in front of everybody else? And I, I was quite shocked to discover the huge numbers of people that favour GMs rolling in secret and, you know, fudging the dice. And <laughs> I, I was quite shocked. that I, I was like, that seems remarkably unfair. Uh, surely the dice should just be rolled and stand as they are. But that, it does cause quite a lot of um, controversy, it turns out, this particular idea. Uh, but there you go. I, I, I would suggest if, you're, if, you're, if you can't, if your game is one where the GM constantly has to fudge the dice rolls to make it work at the table. There's maybe something broken with the game in the first place. But I there, I there, there is an I element of truth in that, actually. <laughs> I can confirm there is an element of truth in what you've just said. I don't use it to hide the dice rolls. I use it to hide me. Oh. <laughs> okay. Maybe we could make it sort of low-level, a low-level screen, but like 
really, really long. <laughs> A5 stuff. Good. So, okay, so we, we, we will now, as a panel, we will nominate. And we'll try and get down to two yeah. and, then, and then do a vote off for, for the final two. Is that okay? Are you happy with that? Okay. So, uh, in which case, uh, we'll start where we, get, where we began. Ian? What, uh, what's your, your nomination? Uh, sorry, you can't obviously vote for your own. Very strict ruling on, on this game. Uh, so, you have uh, uh, Mr. Fricker's uh, AD&D Monster Manual. Uh, we have uh, Judge Blythe with uh, Cults of Prax. And continuing the uh, RuneQuest theme, we have Dirt Dice Troll Pack. Uh, and then obviously you have the winner, which is the GM screen. So. <laughs> I mean, I feel quite conflicted here because uh, I previously mentioned Troll Pack on a Frankenstein's you RPG did. You uh, did. post. So I, I feel that, you know, there's, there's some level of consistency which suggests that I ought to basically uh, reward it by vote. Um, but Cults of Prax uh, also bears a, you know, a strong kind of uh, a fondness in my heart as the thing that really drew me into Glorantha. I, I, the Monster Manual, I feel a bit... Um, uh, for a modern game, uh, it lacks something for me in the sense of a modern uh, game. Uh, it feels Frankenstein's <laughs> RPG. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it feels a little bit like the. the I, I'd want something. I, I definitely think that in, if, if we're contrasting Troll Pack and the Monster Manual, the motivations not treating not treating the monsters just as things to loot and kill, but things that you know as. I think Greg's sort of troll pack trolls have kin too, mm. um, uh, is definitely a stronger for me. So I think I have to part the monster manual and it's, and it's slightly crazy illustrations um, to begin with. The GM screen, now that's interesting, right? Because there's not necessarily that much divergence between the idea of a starter set mm. and some GM screens. Some GM screens actually do come with like a little adventure to run and pre-gen characters, etc. Yeah, so yeah. some of them do stray into that era. It's almost a it's like a lightweight version of the starter set. So there's yeah. another part of me that feels, well, should I should I vote for that on the basis that it's a similar idea to my own? But yeah. um, <laughs> so essentially, what you're trying to do is turn my suggestion <laughs> into your suggestion, so you can therefore <laughs> vote for it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you've seen through my starting kind of crap. Um, but, but I think what I will actually do is vote for Troll Pack on the basis that uh, it's something I've previously tried to bring in to Frankenstein's RPG. I, I think it's a definitely a direction we should go. Okay. As long as we call it something like uh, Gollum Stein, a Stein being you know the equivalent of a pack, and, uh, and oh Gollum, so Gollum Stein, we, we should be calling it, I think. Gollum Stein, very clever. But you don't get uh, you don't get any points for being clever on this show. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so uh, Paul, uh, you can't obviously vote for the Monster Manual. Right. Uh, what would you like to go for? Uh, I mean, there, there's several good options here. I think they're well. They're all good options. I think the starter set is is a very sound one, um, but I guess I won't go for that because it's something I would. It's a great thing. I would get it. I'd use it, and then it would sort of go on the shelf. So, whereas I'd like to get something that I'm going to keep, you know, using again and again. But the starter set is 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 a great one. Um, I think Cults of Prax. I think the the idea of having a supplement for the players. Is 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 a really good one, um, and something we probably don't see enough. It tends to be, you know, all aimed at the the GM the person running the game. I think I'm probably going to go for the Kiefer screen, though. The, not the Kiefer screen. Yes, the Kiefer screen. That's what it's called. <laughs> what do you mean, GM screen? 
the GM screen, as some people call it. Because uh, I like that idea. I'm, I use a screen as well, Blythe. I'm with you on that. Um, I like having it there mainly for like just just quick reference um, and to be able to sort of shovel me crap behind it and uh, and then like pretend I'm looking something up while I'm just trying to quickly improvise <laughs> something. Um, so uh, yeah, I like I like the idea that you can kind of condense the rules onto just onto the screen because that sort of says the game's not too complex as well. I think yeah. Yeah, so that would be my nomination. Fantastic, thank you. I've uh, I've always liked you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now, Judge Blythe. So we, we have the voting so far. We have one vote for Trollback. We have one vote for the GM screen, which ultimately will be the winner. Uh, but you cannot vote for Cults of Prax. So we have the Monster Manual starter set, Trollpack, and the GM screen. Right. Okay. Well, I'm not going to vote for Trollpack because it means he'll have three, he'll have three in, and he'll be unbearable. <laughs> plus, 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 you never used to let me read Trollpack, did you? It was all in secret. Trollpack. Not that bitter. Yeah, see, still at it. Um, starter set. Well, I, yeah, I think. I agree with Ian. I think starter sets are a great idea in terms of getting people into the game. But I suppose for me personally, I never go for the starter set. I always go for the, the game because I always think if I like the starter, I'll, I'll get the game anywhere. So I suppose, but I can see the argument that it, it gets people into a game. Perhaps sometimes people who perhaps not maybe not familiar with role playing games. You know, I think you're right about the D and D starter set. That's probably contributed to D and D being so popular that they did have a, a way in that was was simple. Um, and I like a games master screen, Dave. I do. Mm. I always get the games master screen. Mm. Do like them. <laughs> but Monster Manual, you see, I, I do like Monster Manual. I, the great thing of Monster Manual is it's one of those books that I've spent so many hours flicking through and reading, even when I'm not putting an adventure together. And I, yeah, I, I'd probably have to say. My vote goes to Monster Manual. Because I do think it's. it's an I'll, I'll it's hold a, up the applause board. It's an, <laughs> it's an entertaining read. You know, people talk about lonely fun. You can do that at home, just read the Monster Manual, and it's great. You're not playing the game, but it's like you are playing the game. So, yeah, Monster Manual to my vote. Thank you very much. So, well, Dirk. So, what do I pick? Yeah. So don't forget, you cannot vote for troll pack. So that's that's potentially potentially opening the door for the GM screen. It is. It is. You, remember, you used to love this back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Really it like is, it. Is it? You um, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, the best supplement is out of the running. So I have to pick uh, what remains. <laughs> so. Um, a GM screen. I I don't use GM screen. I've got plenty of GM screens, but I I don't I don't use them. And even in play, because I am loath to stop the floor to look things up. Although I did it yesterday, could have done with the gangbusters uh, games master screen instead. But I'm I'm also so, so I don't tend to refer to them in front of me anyway. Um, so I, I I'm afraid I can't support a GM screen uh, for that for that reason. Mm. Uh, I love a bestiary, 
uh, and uh, Monster Manual is a great, great book. Uh, and I enjoy it, but I'm never really into D and D. Um, and I, like, like uh, Ian said, it just treated uh, monsters as fodder and, uh, and numerical uh, things. And uh, vampires, draining levels. What's that about? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm still bitter. Uh, this is, all of a sudden, this has turned into group therapy. <laughs> You've got the shine retiring on the left of me. <laughs> I, and Cults of Pratt, I've spent many of our reading Cults of Pratt, and that was my way into understanding what Rolanda was all about, and I love the stories, and it's just, they're just so well written. However, I think what this needs is a starter set, because for too long, uh, gamers and the gaming industry have been inward-looking and looking at ways in which they can speak to themselves and talk to themselves. What the starter set represents is inviting people into the community and providing a gateway, an accessible gateway for people to play and enjoy role-playing experiences. So I commend the uh, troll pack, but in reserve, a starter pack. A starter set, okay, so... And also, we can return, have a, return of boxes. That's brilliant, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, That's, yeah. We've been through a terrible, terrible time over the last few months, <laughs> three couple of years. But the return of the box and the dice in a box, that is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. There's no reason why the starter set couldn't have a little mini section on golems in it, uh, I think. <laughs> it's okay, he's voted for you. <laughs> you can relax, you can relax. So, uh, we have a tie. At the moment, we have a four-way tie. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is possibly the first time I think this has happened, in, in fact, uh, on the show. We've got a four-way tie going into the last vote, and I can't vote for my own. Hmm. So, having said that, though, of course, um, uh, it is my podcast, so uh, you know I could break the rules and, and just vote myself, that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I do agree, starter set's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. And, and there have been several games, like you said, uh, that you, you bought the starter set and then went, oh, should have just bought the game. So I can see the sort of dollar signs in my eyes are sort of ticking over as, as, we're, as we're talking about. So a starter set for the Frankenstein's RPG, I think would be a great idea. The D&D Monster Manual, um, although if we if we were to make it, could, do we have to have the parcel tape all over it? No. Oh yeah, that's all okay. part of the yeah. The, Bad badly bound with parcel yeah, tape all the, over. The DIY ethos. Can, can I can I use a highlighter in it? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's going to trigger about half the audience. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be handwritten notes in it as well. So maybe it has, it has a highlighter taped gaffer taped to the side. <laughs> I think it is spin-ups. Is there, is there any tipex inside it? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's tipex. No. Tipex optional. Uh, I, 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 do, I do like Troll Pack, and in fact, as, as uh, Ian quite rightly said, we had a really interesting sort of conversation about you know, what it was all about, and monsters have feelings too, I think was the, was the one phrase that sticks in my mind, and I think that's, that is incredibly important. Um, I would have loved to have voted for the, uh, 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 for the GM screen, clearly, but I, I am going to send it to the audience. I'm going to vote for Cults of Prax, because I absolutely agree with you that we do need to have something for the players. And there does have to be something that allows that game to, to really sort of live in people's minds, but they, that they can make it their own. Though. 
And I think Cults of Prax does that. So I'm voting for Cults of Prax. So, ladies, gentlemen, we have a five-way tie. <laughs> Your role has just got significantly bigger. So, uh, so what we're going to do is, in a moment, I'm going to put on my Mike Reed suit, and we're going to do run around, <laughs> run around now. Uh, we're not. You're just going to raise your hands. Nothing physically active. <laughs> as soon as I said, you've got to get up. I think everyone's the shock in the room is just extraordinary. He says, nursing an absolute king hangover. But uh, so. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll try and get it down to, to two. So we'll do, do by show of hands. Uh, and if I could call on the panel just to count those hands. So uh, if, if you believe, uh, if you believe that the AD&D Monster Manual is the supplement that we should have for, uh, for uh, Frankenstein's RPG, beautifully modelled by, <laughs> by Mr. Fricker there, uh, could you raise your hands now? I don't think I heard you. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's an underwhelming vote, I'm going to call that. Yeah, that's three that's votes. That's it, three votes. Three don't votes. rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> Just three. And you, you can put your hand down at the back now. It's, it's not like a longevity contest. The longest vote wins. So, uh, if, if, you, if you'd like to go with uh, Mr Cooper's uh, starter set, if you believe that's the supplement we have. Ooh. Ooh. I did, I did better than I expected. I was, I, yeah. yeah, that's five votes for that. That's five votes. Uh, if you if you would go for a troll pack from uh, from Dirk, that's oh they came late to the party. I thought we were just going to get one, but that's three votes. Three votes for yes, troll. That's three. That's three, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and now, uh, uh, Judge Blythe's uh, Cults of Prax. How many have you? Ooh, <laughs> Forest. Hold on, too many. What's that? Is that mm, nine? Yeah. 36. <laughs> I'm seeing double still. <laughs> uh, nine. Okay. And, and the final, uh, uh, which clearly is going to be the winner, it is the, uh, the GM screen. Uh, and I should just model it now. The GM screen, anybody? Oh, one, two, three. Mm, that's a six. So by, by a, a process of deduction, we're seated together next to each other. Uh, the two, the two uh, supplements that we're voting for, for Frankenstein's RPG, are, with nine votes, uh, Cults of Prax uh, versus the GM screen, uh, for, for Frankenstein's RPG, so uh, we are uh, we are deciding whether it's Cults of Prax or GM screen that goes into the Frankenstein's RPG as the supplement to it. So it's a straight vote off. Cults of Prax. Three was that three? Uh, no. 30, Four, 30, 14, I believe. Yeah, 14. So uh, for the remainders, GM screen. Oh yes, look at that. I have to say, in a travesty. <laughs> a, tr a travesty of justice. Thank you, Grog Squad. At last, at last. Cults of Prax, by, by four whole votes, 
has made it into uh, Frank and Sir's RPG. We've ever had a round of applause before. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually a barrage of hate. So, uh, listen, thank you very much indeed, everybody. Certainly, thank you very much for, uh, for the panel coming today. So, a quick round of applause for the panel. And then, uh, and then for all of you for, for taking part. Thank you very much indeed. So, there you have it. That was episode 13, and I hope you enjoyed it. So, thanks again. Go to uh, Mark, Mark, Mike, Matt and Neil. Try saying that quickly. Uh, we're getting very close now to a, a game that works on all levels, I think. Also, uh, thanks to our superb panellists, Ian, Paul, Blythe and Dirk, and also the whole of the Grog Squad for really making us feel so welcome uh, at Grog Meet. If you do get the chance, please try and make it up to... God's favourite city, Manchester, for Grog Meet next year. Really is a fantastic event. As far as we're concerned, if you want to leave us a message at Anchor, please do. Frankenstein's RPG. Also on Twitter, at FrankensteinRPG. And always happy to take feedback and any sort of contributions you may have. So Series 2 will be starting in the new year. Yes, sorry about that. Uh, and we'll be looking to create Frankenstein in space. If in the run-up to the festival period, festive period, Christmas, you know what I'm talking about, we get the chance, I may record some other playtesting and see how that goes. But I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of actual play, so you may have to wait for the science fiction dissection before we get back to podding. I hope that's okay. But if I don't get the chance to, can I just wish everybody a fantastic festive period, a superb new year and a great start to next year, and please do take care of yourselves. So until we meet again, goodbye.